Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Okay, so as we're talking about obedience, and obedience is Jesus' love language. Uh, if you look at, I'll put Chris for the next voice there. Um, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Like Cheryl said, I like to keep it short and sweet. Jesus made it short and sweet. If you love me, you keep my commandments. In other words, if I am giving Christ 70% of my life and 30% as my own, I find in very easy areas to grow in. Because if I love him, I keep his commandments. And his commandments are there not just so that he can rule us and put us under thumb, it's because he loves us, he knows better, he's daddy, and he wants to keep us out of the muck and the mire. And usually when we do our own thing, it doesn't quite accomplish the goal of escaping that muck and mire. So within that ad- attitude of obedience, since that's what you guys are on for the most part, I have a question I want to just popcorn for a second. Of If someone, and you'll remember this as a tool that I talked about last week, because I'm not going to ask you if you, if someone um, didn't really have a purpose in their life, didn't really understand what mission they have in life, didn't really understand uh, what kind of guide they should have in their life, what do you think their life would look like? What kind of emotions, what kind of circumstances, how would that play out if they, they had absolutely no real strong meaning in life? Anyone? Chaotic? Now they talk on this one. They don't talk before. I just said, okay. I know I just misspelled it. Here's your ABC. Fix it as you like. What's that? Sorry. There you go. Anybody else? I'm starting to think this group has no meaning, and that's why it's chaotic right now. I have no idea what anybody's just saying. You realize half of this group are teacher teachers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Misfits. What? Immoral? I'm not sure about that one either. Okay, what else? Stress, anxiety. Okay. Keep going. Hopeless. Depressed. Wandering. What was the last one? Purposeless, okay. Emotional? Emotional what? Okay. Anybody else? Fear. Fear? Gotcha. Insecure. Insecure? Anybody else? Neurotic. What's that? Neurotic. Neurotic? <laughs> Lost. Angry? Okay. Good one, Mark. Thank you. Anybody else? Huh? Driven by circumstance. Anything else? Lonely. Lonely. Okay. 
good list. Anything else you want to throw on there? Okay, I think. Hmm? What? Hmm? Ah, what? Did you say something, Crystal? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Huh? Okay, well, don't, don't get too deep. Then you end up messing up any points I'm going to be doing. Okay. So, we're going to put that back here for a second. Because here's, here's the challenge is most of us have some sort of purpose or meaning in our lives. Okay, Christ, Christian-wise, we have a general feel, whether that be work or family or you want your nice, beautiful yard or whatever the case may be. But for Christians... A lot of this is still happening in our lives in major ways. Now, we'll always struggle with this a certain amount because we're in an imperfect world, we're imperfect people. But if we're growing to be more like Christ, at some point, some of this should start taking a fading into hope and peace and comfort and contentment and joy. You still with me? So that's some of the things I want, I, we're going to be looking at uh, here because if we are have a little bit of meaning in our life, a general gist, and a lot of this, I guarantee you you're in chair two. And we're going to talk today about one of the main ways to move to chair three. Sound good? Okay, so it would be very easy when, in this particular answer, as we're talking about obedience, my main goal is to talk about the obedience of being sent. That is the, the main thing that we are called to. We've talked about uh, this week through your workbooks, obedience during hard times, and obedience um, as we follow Christ. But I want to talk more about our obedience and being sent by Christ into this world, which is our purpose, which moves us into three. So uh, the easiest thing to do, and we could go home really quick. I could, I could do show and I could smack up the Great Commission, read it to you, and we're done, right? But my goal is to give a little bit more foundation than that. So uh, we're going to go back a little bit further than John. If you'll get your Bibles out, and again, uh, version is up and running if you want to use your apps. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the underneath the chairs around the room in these baskets. But we'll go back a little bit further. We're going to go to, and this is going to take a couple seconds. I'll give you time to find it. Genesis 1. <laughs> Genesis 1. The concept of being sent happens long before the church age. The concept of being sent happens long before Christ fulfills the prophecies. So when we get to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to... Actually, I might even keep it shorter than what I originally intended. Um, just verse 28, if we look at that. From the very, very beginning, God had a purpose in us furthering the kingdom of God. It says, And God blessed them, being Adam and Eve, the first two that he created. And God said to them, Be fruitful. Before that, right? Go and be fruit. Multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. What subdue it mean? Be stewards over it. Control the world. Bring it into the kingdom. This is before sin was introduced. The plan was for us not to have to deal with the corruption of sin, but we are still filling, multiplying, and we are subduing the world. From the very get-go, from the very get-go, it is to fulfill this world with the kingdom of God. From there, um, I mean, there, there's multiple examples, but uh, if you, and you don't have to. I just kind of want to get you in that ballpark. But Genesis 12, if you want to write that down, uh, is, is a great study. It's on the life of, uh, well, I mean, it's more than just 12, but uh, you get in the ballpark of the life of Abraham. 
and Abraham, as you remember, is the, the father of God's chosen people from an Old Testament uh, perspective. Uh, he uh, was called to go to the promised land or go to Canaan. Um, actually, he wasn't the first one. Do you guys remember that? He wasn't the first one to be called to go to Canaan. Who was called to go to Canaan? Do you remember? Huh? His father. Yep, his daddy. And his daddy took Abraham and his whole family and started going to Canaan where God told him to go. And he got to an, another area and he looked around and said, this doesn't look too bad. I kind of like this area. We could do pretty well here. So he settled there. That's what settled means. He, he, instead of going for the fullness of what God had, he settled with good enough uh, to, with the basic meaning. Uh, and so God said, well, if he's not going to do it, Abraham, I'm going to have you do it. And Abraham said, I'm in. I'm in. We're not settlers. We're not settlers. We are here to go for it until we get to go home. And there's nothing short of that. That's what, that's what we're called to. So uh, Abraham continues into the mission and then becomes, because of his faithfulness, becomes the father of the nation and sees the stars. And you've got more children than the stars above, even though you didn't have any biological kids yet. Do you guys remember that part of the story? Uh, and that's one of the things I'll tell you, uh, this is a little bit of a sidebar. This is one of the reasons why I love this scripture so much, is I was at a um, celebration for a pastor buddy of mine. It was his anniversary. And I don't know all the details within it, but we were pretty close, and I knew enough that his dad was a train wreck, that he had a lot of issues with his dad and was not the kind of father that any of us wants to have. And it like, had multiple issues. And um, my buddy really was concerned about becoming his father and having those limitations because he could all of us see a little bit of our parents in us in some some way or another it's just kind of a hereditary thing and um he was really concerned about that and instead of taking and just becoming a victim to that he followed the lord he leaned into it to have a different path to have a different way to be able to go further and i remember a guy was talking at the santa voice gathering and you'd known this, this brother of mine for a very long time. And he said the phrase, and I, I, I love this phrase, you have already gone further than your father before you. I'm like, man, I don't know about you. For some reason that gets me. I, I pray that my kids go further than their father before them. Um, and so he, Abraham had that opportunity. My brother had that opportunity. We all have that opportunity to not be defined by things in our past or things by hereditary, but by moving, moving forward with Christ. I love, love that aspect. And being sent. That's what he was. He was sent uh, into that goal. Okay, uh, another one uh, within that. Jonah uh, is a great story of being sent, especially to someone who does not want to be sent. Jonah was a powder. Jonah was a, a little bit of a crybaby. Uh, he loved giving God's message to the Jewish people, but when God came and said, hey, I got a message, and he said, great, that's what I do. I love that. Great, I want you to go talk to the Ninevites and tell them to repent, or I'm going to destroy them, because I don't talk to Ninevites. I don't have anything to do with them. And as you know, he ran away, and God had to give him a little spanking to get him back on the right course, and even then, he was pouting because he gave the message, they repented, and he was upset about it. But he was sent. He was sent. That's what, that's what we are. And then, I mean, again, if we're going to the Old Testament, we could look at all kinds of prophecies and spend the whole day on that about Jesus coming and being sent. Uh, but instead, I'll just use it as a segue into talking about Jesus being sent. Jesus is sent. If you would, uh, let's go to John 17. And you'll be somewhat familiar with that because this is the main prayer uh, that we've been focused on to see how Jesus said he discipled his disciples. Um, this is his last prayer before his arrest as he's in the garden and he's praying for them. But um, 
as we go into Jesus being sent, and this, I wanted to give you time to get there, there are some other scriptures I want to highlight before you get there. For instance, we'll put up on the screen John 3.16. You know this one. For God so loved the world, they gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not prepare us but have eternal life. Beautiful, powerful voice. And if you look at the verbiage, he gave means he sent. We see the fulfillment of the prophecies of sending Jesus from heaven in his eternal throne room where everything is beautiful and wonderful to the cesspool to because he loves us. As you go through John, the Gospel of John, there were over 40 mentions of Jesus saying, this is why I'm sent. I have been sent by my Father. It is very much a focus of Jesus' time in his ministry. And then when we get to this final prayer, you know, we've been looking at different little key voices here and there of, I, you know, I, I prayed for them, or I did this, or I did that as part of his discipleship. But when you get in the end of 17 and you talk about being sent, it's multiple key voices. But I'll end on the, the one that we'll focus on today. But just to go through them, look at uh, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they know you are the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Verse 8, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Jump down to verse uh, 21. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, and are in me, and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 23, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. And then our key voice that, that we'd be studying off of is back at verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. He is sent, we are sent. So we see this continuation from the Old Testament into the New Testament, into Jesus' ministry. Jump back to Matthew 10. I'm making you guys turn pages today, baby. Matthew 10. If it's always been sent, if Jesus was sent, now let's look at them being sent. If he says that, they send, that he sent them, let's see what that looks like. And we're going to start out in verse 5, and we're going to see an area where Jesus sent out his apostles, the 12, uh, for the first time. And we're going to see that in, when you're sent, there are core factors that were for, true for them, that are true for us, that we'll look at. Um, but they can look a little bit differently, usually in dealing with the audience of who we are being sent to. Um, and so we'll dig into that. This is, this, and this is literally Jesus moving them from chair two to chair three for the first time. Because if you look at verses one through uh, four, they just got called to be apostles. They've been following Jesus for a little while, but then he names the 12 and they immediately says, okay, guys, go. So this is an immediate sending. So they're moving from chair two to chair three. In verse five, it says, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. 
Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborers deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out uh, who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it, but if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So in going through this particular section, I just kind of want to go through these components with Chris's help here um, of what stands out. The first question they have is who, who were they being sent to? Now we know as a the church age, we're called to our hometown, we're called to our country, we're called to people that are different than us, there's no room for prejudice or racism within the church, uh, and we're called to the entire world. Here, on their very first mission, without him going with them, as he sends them out, he sends them to the Jewish nation, do not go amongst the Gentiles, do not go amongst the, Sam the Samaritans. Is that because he's prejudiced against those? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We see him constantly reaching out to Samaritans, Jew Gentiles, the entire world. But this is their first mission, and he says, this is the confines I'm putting around it, so that you have kind of, a, kind of a safe place to start, because you're going and talking to people that understand the scripture. They've got a foundation. Now, there's goods and bads with that. I mean, the, the bads is they have a pre preconceived notion of what that scripture means, and sometimes they're wrong, and you have to get over those walls, and, but sometimes it gives you a common ground talking, like what do you see in that, especially from a rabbi standpoint, what do you see in this, what does this mean to you, how does that fit this, that doesn't really fit this, okay, but this might fit this, and be able to have that uh, initial starting point. When we get later to other sendings, like the sending of the 72, it's out to the Gentiles, it's out to the Samaritans, it, it's, it's very different. So this is specifically, in this case, to a specific group. You might have that kind of calling, you might have that, that kind of place. You might have that kind of moment within. So it's, it's important for us to continue to prayfully say, Holy Spirit, show me my appointments. Holy Spirit, show me where you want me to be. Holy Spirit, give me the boldness to step in when you call to step in. Uh, as he goes through, these are the things he tells them to do. Teach. Take the good news. Guess what? That's on your plate too. Serve. Deliver. We've got, in this case, he's talking about healings, he's talking about deliverance of demons, he's talk, talking about serving them in very practical ways that bring freedom into their life. That's part of our mission, that's part of our goal, they look a million different ways. Uh, faith, don't take any provision with you, and don't take provision. Just food, people will take care of you as you go. That's not the same in every time he sends somebody out. Other times you told them take extra money, take an extra cloak, take an extra cane. That's not specific for everybody's everyday purpose. What was he doing? Have faith. As you're starting out, sh let me show you how my father provides. And so in that particular case, there's faith building. We grow in our faith as we follow and move into the tier three. Put your blessing out there. Put out the fullness of God. Put out the good news of Jesus Christ. And if they reject it, that's outside your control. It'll break your heart but it's outside your control. Just know it's not always going to work the way that you want it to, but your daddy's working. Your daddy's working. I mean, he's calling you to do what he's called you to do. So that could be its own message just within itself, but this is how he sent them. Certainly, I believe that's how he sends us as well. So 
if we have that, that he sends us in dealing with rejection and those type of things, then he sends us. So we'll go to the next scripture. Shocker. It's the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, says Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What are we called to do? Go. That's the first one. That's the big one. Chair two people sit and chair two. Chair three people get up and go. They're doing ministry. They're reaching out to people. Um, lead. Lead people to Jesus. Through your testimony. Through your, not just, just your words, but your actions as well. So they have a reason to believe it. But not just your actions. You have to bring the words as well. Go and lead people to Jesus Christ. Take and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We just talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That's not a pastor thing. That's an, anybody who follows Jesus Christ thing. And disciple each other, which is what we're doing now. That's why we bring up the Bible study workbook. That's why we're doing church. That's why we take and do things throughout the week to be able to disciple one another, not just within our own walls, but also outside of our own walls and where God has us in our, our life. Um, that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. But so many, so many have a general sense of mission yet their life still look a lot like this and we're simply just not doing the Great Commission. And Jesus says, if you love me, you follow my commandments. That's not a beat you up message. That's a, hey, look at all the areas we can grow, change, lean into Jesus. Look at how tomorrow can be so much different than yesterday message that we have within this. A lot of us have a general feel of meaning but the goal is to say, okay, I've got basic meaning. I've got, you know, my job or I've got my spouse or I've got my kids or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I'm not yet a fool for Jesus. I'm just not a fool for Christ yet. I, I'm living a, a very comfortable Christian life and I've just not become just where he calls obedience and I say, I'm in. It's a... Uh, it's a beautiful area that we have to grow in. What would your life look like if you truly committed to being sent? That's the rhetorical question. What on this list would change if you truly committed to being sent? If I truly understood that my time is coming, that someday I'll be in heaven, sometime this completeness is going to be there and it's going to be a big party and jam time much better than any Charlie Daniels concert or drug. <laughs> Hi, baby. This time is simply to do the Great Commission to further the kingdom and get more people into the party. That's what, what this time is. So, of course that impacts how I live with my wife. Of course that impacts how I live with my children. Of course that impacts how I am within the church and within the community. But it's so much more. Um, Scoville showed a quote. I'm going to share with you a quote. This is a, 
a gentleman by the name of Howard uh, Snyder. Um, I'd love to tell you more about him. I know nothing about the man, except for what I Googled right before church today. But he looks really smart. <laughs> and I'll tell you, th this is the type of quote that I can beat up a little bit, uh, but I understand the point he's trying to make. Church people think about how to get people into church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people might uh, work to see the church change the world. Now, to me, the reason why I could beat it up a little bit is just because of the way that I define church and how I define kingdom people are the same. So to me, it's like, oh, let's reclaim these words. But the reality is I understand the point he's trying to make. If we're just trying to get more people into this room for the sake of being a bigger church, and we're always on the defense of what the world's going against us as the church, we're really missing the point. You know, if we look at the circles, uh, I left it in my office, but you guys know what I'm talking about. If you got your book, it's back there, right? What page is that? 185. Um, the circles be, well, I'm just going to draw it out. I can't, all the things I remembered to get done today, and this is the one I forgot. Okay. So, Now, to find a clean sheet, okay, so we've got, yeah, we've got the circles that they have in the book, right? And this is just a tool to help us put momentum behind the things that we're deciding. And so here we've got the unbelievers. Here we've got new believers. And here we have accountability. Okay, so this is... More, I have a mentor, I have a partner, somebody who's mature in the faith, or at least in about the same area I am in the faith, or further ahead, that helps me. That's my mentor, right? Uh, here is the new believers that, that were discipling, that are further back from that were discipling. And then unbelievers, those are those that were reaching out. And I encourage you to mindfully say, okay, who, who's these people? Who's this people? Who's this person? So you're not just like, yeah, I need to do that. And then you just drop the ball and go back to regular living, right? And a friend of mine, jokingly, and I'm not going to say her name because I tease her way too much as it is, jokingly said, seriously, three people? Three people? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of focus. Because we're all busy, right? We've got life's going on. And the answer is, yeah, three people. Three people is like minimum, minimum. And I'll be honest with you, this is what it comes down to if we're looking at this quote. If these little number things, it's a starting point tool. If we're just focused on these numbers, we're already missing the boat and you might as well just stop. It's a lifestyle. It's something that I'm constantly doing. This three, with Jesus, okay, first off, I don't see Jesus sitting down and filling out this chart. I think he's too busy to be able to do that because this chart is like so many people. Well, he's, just, he's constantly reaching out for the Lord. That's got to be my heart. In all honesty, if we're talking about this book, Bible study, I want you guys in it. I want you guys benefiting from it. We believe in it. And as the elders, we call you to it. But if you're a chapter behind or a week behind or you haven't started yet and you're going to start it in July, whatever the case be, I don't care. Because it's not about the page number or the chapter number. It's about you going to be more like Christ. So it can't be about... These things are good to get us going, but there's more where I'm constantly, Jesus, how do you want to use me? Jesus, how do you make me more purposeful, more mindful, 
so that I don't have the time for this loneliness, for this despair. Does that make sense? So that's a big part of the focus as we're talking about obedience and going to the second part of these studies together. So with that, let me pray over this for a couple minutes. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.